My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic. And I want to thank you, uh, Gary, for allowing me to participate in my sobriety. Uh, my sobriety date is 10-27-2000. Uh, uh, so I'm coming up on 19 years of sobriety. I've taken a little vacation, uh, probably about four to five years, of not going to meetings, uh, becoming an asshole, uh, being a, a workaholic, and, uh, you know, I focused in that realm of the, of the world. Um, so, uh, you know, I started drinking pretty young. I was uh, about 13. I, was, uh, I went to go visit family or family friend down in Mexico with my father. And, uh, you know, there's no uh, legal age in uh, Mexico. So I was 13. I looked the oldest, so I went to the bar. I got uh, two Kawama bottles, and, uh, and all of us started drinking. There was four of us. And uh, I woke up with a hangover that next morning. And, uh, you know, I didn't become a daily alcoholic or daily drunk, but I knew that um, I loved the way what alcohol did for me. And uh, going through high school, um, you know, whenever I would uh, drink, I would get drunk. You know, there wasn't a time where I thought, oh, one beer is going to cure the problem with me, you know. There was always something in me that always needed to either slow down or just shut up, and alcohol did that for me. Um, so, you know, I, I got kicked out of high school. Um, I got kicked out of programs for uh, going to college um, because I chose alcohol. You know, I would sneak alcohol into these college programs, and they would they would find it and go, "Hey, you're not supposed to have alcohol here. Maybe you shouldn't be here." And so I would I got kicked out of a program for that. You know, and alcohol has plagued my life you know, for getting myself in trouble. You know, at, uh, my mom had enough of me and, and uh, told me that you need to go live with your father. And I said, okay. And uh, it lasted like a couple of months. And then my uncle, who had just gotten his like seventh DUI, um, had, had uh, asked me to come and drive for him out in... Uh, I, I'm born and raised in California in the San Fernando Valley, LA area. And um, so my uncle had... With his seventh UI, he asked me to go drive for him and uh, back and forth from work furlough. And so uh, I, just, I did that. I got my license at 18. I lost it six months later because I got a DUI in the car that he was driving on a regular basis and uh, got introduced to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and I didn't understand Alcoholics Anonymous. I was 18 years old. I was full of fear because of what they were going to do to me. Um, I got introduced to a man, I was working at the Boys and Girls Club, and this lady was like, she saw something in my eyes, and she saw that I had some kind of fear, and she's like, hey, you know, what's going on with you? Oh, I, you know, I got a DUI over the weekend. She's like, really? She's like, well, if you want, I'll go with you to, uh, to court. And I said, okay. I thought it was a little weird, you know, like, and I knew the lady, but I didn't really know the lady. And uh, so she went to court with me and introduced me to a man who used to drink and use like I started to. And uh, so he started taking me to meetings. Um, and uh, they were smoking in the meetings. There were a lot of older people in the meetings. They were drinking coffee. And and uh, and I was just there, you know, like I, I didn't understand it. And, uh, you know, I got a big book. 
and um, I just started going to meetings. He started dragging me around to meetings, and uh, I didn't get a sponsor. I didn't get commitments. I didn't read the big book. You know, I didn't do all the things that they suggested that I do. And so uh, one more time, I wound up in a tire in the backyard of a, a friend's house. With I pissed myself, and I threw up all over myself because that's the way I drink. You know, I drank to get drunk. I drank to stop these emotions and the feelings. And, uh, you know, I, I kept going for about another five or six years. Um, and I got introduced to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous one more time. Um, and not, I didn't get a DUI. Um, my girlfriend at the time, her mother was in and out of the program for a lot of years. And she said, um, you know, I was doing a lot of, like, different things, you know, uh, drugs are part of my story, but drugs were for me, were always to enhance and for me to drink longer. You know, it wasn't like I started with drugs and then started drinking. It just, it just wasn't that, that way for me. And, um, so she had, uh, I guess my girlfriend at the time had told her, her mom what we were doing. We were dabbling in a little cocaine and other, other drugs and, and so she said, well, you know what you need to do? You need to go to AA. And so she started going to AA. And then I started getting curious about what AA was. And it wasn't like, you know, for some reason in my mind, I forgot that I even fucking attended AA. I apologize for cursing. Sometimes I do that. Um, and so I started going to these meetings. And then you had these 20 questions. And I grabbed the 20 questions one time. And I started reading them. And I passed. I got 17 out of 20 correct. And, uh, you know, I'm... I'm 26 years old, and I have all these issues with alcohol. Um, let me step back a little bit. Um, so my father and my brother have both died of this disease, cirrhosis of liver and hepatitis C, and uh, because they refused to stop drinking and stop using. So it runs in my family. Um, and, uh, you know, when my father had died of this disease, you know, I had... I'd gone to see him. He looked really bad. They put a tube down his throat because he was bleeding from every orifice in his body. And, uh, and I said, Dad, you know, I, I know, you know, I, I need to go, go take a final for, for college. And, and uh, you know, he seemed okay. He seemed stable. I went, took the test. I came back. And then uh, I noticed that his name was wiped off the board. And uh, at that point, I went, what the fuck is going on? And they said, I'm sorry to tell you that your father has passed. And, uh, you know, I sat in the front of that hospital for about two hours because I had no way to get home. And, uh, you know, the first thing that I did when I left that hospital is I went to the liquor store to grab alcohol because I didn't want to feel. I didn't want to, you know, have to. I just wanted to bottle up those emotions. And uh, I went on for a run for about a week. Uh, and then, you know, I just did what I do best, you know, and uh, everyone was like, poor me, poor me, you know, your father died, poor you, poor you, and, and, uh, anyways, that, you know, there's one of those stories in my life, you know, so I started attending these AA meetings because I was the Al-Anon and supporting her, not realizing that I knew I was an alcoholic for a long time, and uh, eventually she had asked me to stop bringing alcohol home, and, oh, and by the way, I used to sell alcohol for a living, um, I used to work for uh, uh, a wine company, and I sold beer. And uh, and I, I think at that time I was working for Gallo, 
And, uh, you know, that fine wine gallo? You know, the Peter Vela, you know, the, the Bartles and James, the, uh, fuck, the Night Train and the uh, Thunderbird, which is what I love to drink. I love to drink that, that stuff. Only be, I just, because it was cheap and it was good for some reason, but it was nasty. Yeah, I don't think they rep that. I don't think they sell that, but, uh, but that's what I did, you know. And uh, what ended up happening is she asked me to uh, stop drinking or she was going to leave, and so she left because I wasn't willing to stop drinking. And uh, eventually, you know, I got emotional and started going, where is she at? And so a friend of mine had... Uh, um, I had asked her to go go to that meeting, and, and I met a man when I was there, and, and I wanted him to sponsor me. Um, I at least knew what a sponsor was by attending those meetings. And so uh, she went to go because I was too much of a coward to actually show my face, you know, at this meeting, like I wasn't going to attend meetings with her, um, and got that man's number. And I ended up calling him that night, and uh, he said, hey, you know, uh, nice to, you know, talk to you, and... Uh, He's like, what are you doing right now? I said, oh, I've been drinking. He's like, well, do me a favor. Why don't you pour out all the alcohol? And he said, and I said, yes, for the first time in my life of being willing to do what somebody else said. Because I'm not always willing to do what other people say. And that's the one thing that I hate about a sponsor is that they make these positive suggestions to you. And, uh, you know, in, in the group that I, I started, they weren't really suggestions. They were more like, do it, or um, I'm not going to sponsor you anymore, um, and go find somebody else to uh, deal with your bullshit. And um, so anyways, he said, hey, I want to meet you at a meeting, you know, the following night. I said, okay, let's do this. And so, uh, you know, that's where my road started with Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and I mean, looking back at it now, you know, there was... For me, there was no other way in my life that I could have uh, um, could have continued the path of me drinking and using, because I knew probably in the previous two months that I had already started passing that extra line of doing heavier drugs, and I knew um, that just things were going to start going bad. Um, so what ended up happening? I started going to the meetings. Um, you know, he suggested I do 90 and 90, which turned into like five years of going to straight meetings. Um, he's, he asked me to get commitments at all my meetings, uh, show up an hour early for the meetings, which was not a problem for me because I would start at 4 o'clock in the morning and I would go to about 3 o'clock in, uh, in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, I really had no place to go except for that, ho- for that apart, uh, whatever it was, a guest house that I was living at. And I didn't, really, I didn't want to be alone, because if I was alone, then I'd probably start drinking and start worrying about that girl. Um, so what ended up happening is, I, when I got off of work, I sat in the meeting hall for about two to three hours before I, uh, the meeting actually started. And, uh, you know, I was still working for that wine company, uh, for Gallo. And, um, you know, sometimes I would have alcohol all, all over my, because my, they provided me a car. And I always had alcohol in the back of the truck, you know, um, because they have you pick alcohol up or they're delivering alcohol. And and so, like, for me, within that first couple of months, you know, I was kind of relieved of the the alcohol obsession for myself because I worked around it all the time. And uh, 
you know, eventually, you know, um, you know, that girl, that, that woman, um, you know, we would see each other at meetings and we would talk and, you know, go out to eat every once in a while. But we ended up, or she ended up deciding that she didn't want to be in the, in AA anymore, about six months of sobriety. And I stayed. And uh, she went to, uh, you know, they say that you either go to church or go to AA. Well, she ended up uh, becoming a rabbi. And that's what she does now. She's a rabbi up in, in Washington. So um, I have a little weird stories, weird stories like that, you know. Uh, so I started trudging this road. And, uh, you know, I got all those commitments, and I started getting a service at six months of sobriety of going to H&I. And a uh, funny story about H&I, you know, in our group, we're very active in that kind of stuff. And, uh, and one of the guys who was a little jokester, he goes, if you're going to show up at H&I, make sure that you're ready for your blood test and that you have to show up in a suit and tie. And I said, you know, I was so blinded. I said, okay, no problem. And uh, so you would show up at these meetings and people would look at you like, what the hell are you in a suit and tie for? And, uh, you know, he made a big joke on it. You know, another one of these jokes that he did, he, you know, I used, to, I used to do the coffee for the meeting. It was one of those 100-gallon uh, coffee pots. And I did it for like five different meetings. So I would have five different coffee pots that I would take home with me on a regular basis. I would just have them at my house. And so I would bring, I should have just left them all there and just drag one to the meeting, you know, but, you know, I mean, when you're young in sobriety, you're just kind of dumbfounded. And so he showed me how to do coffee. He said, you need to put a hundred teaspoons in the coffee pot to make sure that the coffee is perfect. And so you would do this. I know I learned how to make coffee real fast. Um, so, but. You know, it was these kind of things that, uh, uh, that I learned in my early sobriety that, you know, that, I, that taught me how to stay in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, you know, I was occasionally late to commitments, and my group was very, uh, a very hardcore group. And if you were a minute late, they would fire you for, uh, from your commitment. And, uh, and having to explain to your sponsor that you just got fired from a commitment wasn't very fun. And uh, so I would do this, and this old man, his name was Ski Z. He was a Korean uh, vet who used to be one of those minesweepers. And I don't know if you know what a, a freaking mine... You would be in this little boat, and he would, he would have a little stick or something, and he would... That's how he minesweeped or something. And I guess one of those blew up, and... Uh, he had no fingers, or he had like nubs on him, and uh, you know, and he would poke it, poke his finger in my chest all the time, and uh, but for me, I needed that, you know. He he taught me, he taught me structure, and he taught me how to be of service, and he taught me how to be a man. Um, you know, those little tricks, I didn't know that going uh, growing up. You know, I didn't know that you're supposed to actually show up on time to places. You're actually supposed to uh, do what you say you're going to do. Um, you're going to uh, learn how to be of service to other people. Like, normal people don't learn that, you know, in the world. Or they do, but, you know, I never did. So, um, you know, I started going through sobriety, and I, I had these three guys that I hung out with. And, uh, and it's funny. One was gay. 
One was uh, been in sobriety since he was 14 years old. Uh, and the other one was sleeping in his car when he, we, he first got sober. And we ended up getting a house together. And, uh, and we just had a blast with each other. And, uh, and we just trudged the road together um, of learning how to stay sober. And uh, for me, that was kind of a benefit. You know, because I, if I did it alone, I probably wouldn't have stayed. And, uh, you know, one of those guys is uh, still out there. He, you know, he has decided that he wants to do. His last comment to me was he still doesn't, he still has a couple of teeth left because he likes to do meth. So he still, he has a couple of teeth left, so he's not ready to stay sober. And uh, it's just one of those crazy, crazy things. But, I mean, that's the way he lives. So, but I, I still talk to him every once in a while. Um, I mean, there's so many things that I've gone through. Uh, I did win 20 bucks because I stayed sober a year from that guy because he bet me he didn't think I was going to stay sober. As soon as she left, he thought, he thought for sure that he, that I was going to leave. And, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, the promises, you know, have come true for me. Um, you know, as I was doing my steps, you know, he, my sponsor asked me to write what you think you want in sobriety. And uh, I pretty much have, there's one thing I haven't accomplished and it was buying a boat, but really like, I don't really want to, I don't want a boat. Like there's nothing in my life that says, oh, you need to get a boat so you can go on a lake. So somebody drunk can crash into you or, you know, that kind of, you know, like a boat isn't my fantasy vehicle uh, or an ATV uh, or any of those kind of other outdoor activities because I'm, I'm lazy by nature. So, uh, so what ended up happening at 10 years of sobriety, I, I decided I had uh, gotten fired from a job um, because I put my hands on somebody at work. And, um, and at 10 years of sobriety, I thought maybe I shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. And I started feeling uh, sorry for myself. And uh, what ended up happening is um, I decided that I was going to leave AA. Uh, because AA wasn't doing my way and I wasn't getting my way. Um, and so I stopped going to AA for, uh, until I came out to uh, Arizona about, uh, about three years ago. Um, so from about 10 to about, uh, to about 14, I, I became a workaholic. Um, I picked up assholism and, uh, and I was just a workaholic, you know, I would work anywhere from 70 to 80 hours a week. Uh, and, uh, and not realizing that my, uh, you know, I was treating my wife badly. I was treating my daughter badly, you know, treating the people that were around me badly. And, uh, you know, so I needed, so my, my wife suggested as they do, just like sponsors suggested that maybe I should uh, go back to AA and, uh, what brought me out here was a, uh, a job because I worked in L.A. for this company. And uh, so she suggested that I go to AA and I said, uh, do I really have to? And she said, yes. I'm tired of the way you're treating me and I'm tired of the way you're acting. Um, so what ended up happening is uh, I started going to meetings again. Um, it took me a year to get a sponsor um, because of, uh, you know, I didn't... Uh, I was kind of a scared person to ask somebody to sponsor me. 
And, uh, you know, I finally started going back to the steps uh, just the last month or so. Um, you know, a lot of things have changed for me in life. Um, God, there's so much in these, in these years that I've stayed sober. You know, the one thing I, I have done perfectly is I've ne- I haven't picked up a drink. And that's the, sometimes that's the best thing you can do is uh, not pick up that first drink. Um, I'm really, I, for me, I have a great fear for alcohol and drugs. Um, and uh, I don't, you know, I choose not to drink, you know, um, because it's easier to stay than to go out there and going through that door. You know, there's a lot of people that don't make it back to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and they play that roulette wheel, and and, uh, and it's more like Russian roulette because you just, you never know when that, when that bullet's going to go off. Um, you know, it scares me to drink again. It really does. Because, uh, you know, I've, I've, my history with my family, you know, I will die. Um, about a year ago, my cousin, who was 22, had died um, because she was in, uh, she was drinking one night and uh, she decided she was going to drive and they ended up finding her body about a week or two later in one of these ponds she drove right into the pond and she couldn't because she was either drunk or passed out she uh she couldn't get out of the get out of the car so i mean for for a life so young you know to die of this disease you know it it scares me so you know right now i'm kind of in a uh, limbo phase um because i'm dealing with a uh, my job right now and uh i'm just kind of scared you know, because I don't know if I want to stay or want to go. And uh, and I kind of feel a little betrayed and pissed off at my job um, because of the fact, like, you know, I hear that I hear my company buys a lot of different companies and buys smaller companies. And so every fucking week or every two weeks, they're buying another company. And uh, we just got, you know, our reviews and, and our bonuses and whatever and, and for me, I think, fuck, man, I didn't get enough. And that's my old behavior, thinking, like, I didn't get a fuck enough. These guys are nickel and diming me. And, and, and those are my thoughts going through my head, and it kind of shows in my attitude. And, uh, you know, it's funny is uh, now that I actually said it out loud, I kind of think, like, None of my fucking business whether they're paying me or not. You know what I mean? Or paying me the bonus. Or I can always find another job. I can always look for another job. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and I might be, you know, I might start doing that. If I feel like nothing's going to change at this current job, then I can always look for something else. It's, you know, I've always been a talker. And so uh, I've always been a talker and always been in sales. So... You know, there's always there's always places for a salesman, right? So, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I'm going to go over with my sponsor and uh, see what we come up with. And, uh, you know, and, and learn to change my attitude at work. Because they could always fire me. And uh, so I need to be grateful for what they give me right now and uh, and focus on uh, on the future. And, uh, you know, I'm going to shut up because now I'm babbling. Thank you.